0: What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sports. Moke okay, Davis here with you on this Sunday morning talking NFL football. I'll give my predictions. Of course, you may have listened to this, and my predictions will be already either I will have won or lost. But I'll talk about that. Um, some college football. And. Um, NBA, including the sad news about Kelly Oubre, I hope um, he's going to be okay. I really do. Um, I really do. And actually, you know what? I'm going to start with that. So, you know, I wake up this morning and I find out the news that Kelly Oubre, who is really having a, a good season. A good season in the NBA, playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Was unfortunately struck by a car in Philadelphia. Thankfully, he has been released from the hospital um, after he was treated Saturday night. And um, I hope he's going to be okay. We don't know the extent of the injuries, But that the team did say he's going to miss a significant amount of time, but maybe not the rest of the season. Um, And it's hard enough when you think about a player getting injured on the court, and that's tough. And that's happened to Kelly Oubre. But not like this. You don't want this for anyone. And for the Philadelphia police to say that he was struck around 7 p.m. when he was crossing the street. Um, and that the vehicle that hit him fled the scene. It's. Man. You just hate to see that for anyone, and I wish him the best um and I hope we do see him on the court this season. I hope he gets back to playing um to being the same player that he was i I find him have always to been to been to being a really cool guy, relaxed, nice. Um I love seeing how he was doing things in fashion and you know always fashion forward but I have I always really liked him and um I hope that um he has a speedy recovery and my thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Um hope he's okay. Hope he's okay. Um as we move from that let's let's you know we'll just stick with the nba we'll stick with the nba and the second story that was most bizarre was the um the ejection of Draymond Green playing against Donovan Mitchell in Golden State and Draymond Green was ejected for a review of a call from a retroactive play. So Donovan, and, and the thing is, Draymond Green could just get under your skin. He gets under my skin and I don't even play in the NBA. I don't even get under him. He doesn't but I don't he gets under my skin as well. And so the Cavs are in town. He steals a ball from Donovan Mitchell. They go at it a little bit. Uh the Warriors were losing by ten. Um then after he steals a ball and he's jaw, and then later on in the game you know, there's a play and, and Draymond Green pushes Donovan Mitchell out of the way in a play that it wasn't like Donovan Mitchell was going up for a layup. So Draymond Green really didn't have to do that, but he did it. And then Donovan Mitchell runs up the court and kind of gets in his face a little bit. So the, the players get together. Um, it was It was a common foul by Donovan Mitchell, probably just to stop the play. But to say something to Draymond, and of course Draymond gets a technical for all the jawing and stuff that you don't hear, here, right? And then the refs go to review Donovan Mitchell's foul to see if it should be flagrant. They decide that it's not flagrant. But that they notice Green pushing... Donovan Mitchell um, and gave him a technical foul, which means he ended up with two fouls, two technical fouls. That was his second one of the night. The first one came earlier in the game when he was arguing with a ref, and so he gets ejected. And I just say that to say eventually it's, it gets tiring. I can imagine for his teammates, for the players, I mean, excuse me, his teammates, maybe even the fans, the coaching staff. But I will say this over and over again. Yes, he contributed to a championship, but Draymond Green is not a Hall of Famer. But because he was on the Golden State Warriors, who won multiple titles, I, I feel that his contribution to that team are inflated, to call him a Hall of Famer. Because I feel like, realistically, then we're talking about the Hall of Very Good, if you're going to start putting Draymond Green into the Hall of Fame. And I think that um, when you see situations like this, that's where Draymond Green always makes the news. And that's also another reason why, because he's not a Hall of Famer. You don't hear about Draymond Green making the news because, oh, he scored 40 points and got 16 rebounds. You know, he hasn't been all NBA defensive first team for his entire career or anything like that. He's just a really good player. And you can be a really good NBA player. And I'm saying really good on an NBA level. Obviously, the fact he's made it in the league and won NBA championships, he's great in the fact that the percentage of players that make it to... The NBA is very small, right? So I would say, from that perspective, yeah, you could say he is a great player. But when you compare him to other NBA players, to me, he's just really good. And that's it. He's known more for getting ejected and stuff like that than he is for scoring, or in my mind, even doing anything great defensively. He's good. Just wanted to get that out there. I, I, um, this, ugh. Just wanted to get that out there. Before I go to the NFL, I'm talk a little college football. I had to experience something I had never experienced before. It's the 100th anniversary of University of Pittsburgh and Syracuse University playing each other in football, and so to celebrate this 100th game. They played a football game in Yankee Stadium, and I happened to be there for it. Unfortunately, Pitt lost 28-13, but the experience was not lost on me in doing something, in being able to experience something. That was historic in that it was a football game played in the baseball stadium. They like blocked off all of the dugouts, which was quite interesting to see. I know it wasn't the first time they've done that, but it disoriented you realizing, oh, this is where the dugouts would be for baseball. The players had to they they didn't have player tunnels, so they had to walk out of the dugout and then kind of like gather right at the top of the dugout on the field and then they did their you know like the run through like you run through the tunnel so that wasn't the same but i got to connect with pit alumni that i some i hadn't seen in a long time um some i'm still very close with shout out to yannick and Uh, Dexter, to be able to not only hang out with them at the game, but then after the game, when I came back to the hotel and dropped off my equipment, got to hang out with them and talk a little bit more. And those bonds that you have when you meet people in college um, will never be broken. And there's so many great memories and it's fun to talk, you know, reminisce and talk about where everybody is now, although we pretty much know where we are now because we talk in general but overall, it was just it was it was it was fun, and you know, outside of me ever going to, I, out, you know, if I was going to go see the Orioles play, I probably wouldn't ever go to see them play at Yankee Stadium. I like being at the home games. I know it's like maybe not all of you have seen Seinfeld, but I don't need to be Elaine in Yankee Stadium wearing an Orioles hat. I don't need to be that. I would go see the Orioles play the Yankees in. Camden Yards, so to go and see a game like this was really cool. I I bought a commemorative football. It'll go up in my little section of collectibles, sports collectibles, That who knows what will ever happen with them when I'm gone, if my kids will even enjoy them. Maybe not, but the other thing that made it so special to be in New York that I think about no other city that I could remember in that moment has and that was they played Frank Sinatra's is a song called New York I don't even know the name of the song but they start playing the song New York New York I don't even I mean like I can sing it but it was like man you can't replicate you can't beat that if at the end of a game you play that song whether it's Mets, Nets, Jets, Yankees, Knicks, Red Bull, whatever it is, Liberty, every New York team, even the college teams should play that song at the end of a game, win or loss. Because as much as like I've never been like one to say, "Oh, I want to live in New York City, that's my thing. I know I joked on Instagram. If I could make it here for two days, I can make it anywhere That relates to traffic, people walking, all of that. It's it's a you know, it's a one of a kind city, very unique. I have this amazing view of the city as I'm looking down, I can almost see not quite Times Square, but like three blocks from Times Square. But overall, I just, there was an envy there when they were playing the song and then everybody started singing it. Even the people who probably weren't from New York, everybody's, and I was like, man, that would be neat if D.C. had a song like that. Any of your cities, wherever you are listening to this. You have a song that represents your city. I mean, I guess Chicago has one. I don't remember the song, but I feel like there is a Chicago one. You know, but, ah, man. I mean, I know we got a couple of go-go songs that could, you could kind of say are D.C., but it's not the same as, like, Frank Sinatra. And I think, actually, Frank Sinatra may have sang the Chicago one, too. It was, it was just, Yeah. It was quite an experience to witness, as was the game. The game was pretty cool. And the funny thing is, before the game at the tailgate, there was an official Pitt alumni tailgate, which was awesome. Very, It was done very well by the Alumni Association, um, so kudos to them. But it was perfect timing because the Penn State-Michigan game was on, And this is the Penn State Michigan game without Jim Harbaugh as a coach because he was suspended for, you know, the sign stealing scandal that has rocked Michigan Wolverines and college football. Because here's my thing. And actually, before I pivot to Michigan. It was funny because everybody was rooting for Michigan. And it went over my head for a split second. I was like, why is everybody clapping when Michigan scores? Then I realized, oh, wait, they're playing Penn State. And, of course, at Pitt, we don't root for Penn State, right? We always, When I went to Pitt, it was like, Penn State sucks. So for us to be there, everybody rooting against Penn State, um, not so much rooting for Michigan, but um, it was just a really good collegiate, Everybody's together, atmosphere. And I really, I really, really enjoyed it. But the funny thing about that is then I started thinking a little bit more about Jim Harbaugh. And look, you know, if you've listened to my podcast, I still, if there's a, even a a door slight ajar to get that dig in about the Houston Astros and their cheating scandal, I do it. And so here I am, we've got Jim Harbaugh in this scandal that we don't quite even know. Everything is still coming out about it, right? I think there are still, there's more to come, more to to uncover about what happened. But at the basis, yes, Michigan, they were stealing signs. And you could say, oh, everybody steals signs. And I know that there are a lot of things that we probably don't know that the NCAA knows, the Big Ten knows, and they were right in their decision to suspend him. Yes, you could say, oh, well, what about due process? I believe that the Big Ten suspended him. They've done a good amount of their, quote unquote, due process. They know what's out there. They know what's coming down next. And the reason why I say that I feel like it was right to suspend him, one, because you've got to set a precedent somewhere. You've got to – and it's not knee-jerk. This is this has been uh, reported for a couple of weeks now at the very least – but the way I think about it is like this. And maybe this can help you for any of you who are like, no, that's unfair. You don't know. You know, there's Ohio State, Rutgers are linked to this too, blah, 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 whatever. Where Michigan is ranked in college football, if they were to win the national championship, that affects all. Of the Big Ten. Everybody gets a piece of that pie. So there is a loss for the Big Ten and for the teams with this, right? I mean, this is this is this is big. For them to basically jeopardize, and I mean for the Big Ten, to jeopardize Michigan's chances of winning the national championship. You have more than one bite at the apple. You've got Ohio State and you've got Michigan. Imagine the two of those teams playing for the national championship. That's better than one. That's more money for the pot. So it would not be a good move for the Big Ten to suspend Jim Harbaugh unless they felt that there was just... Overwhelming, compelling evidence that we have to do this. We know what he has done. We know who is complicit in this. It's not easy. We know it's not easy. We know, or and what we don't know actually, is the number of lawyers that have been involved in this, um, coaches, players are affected by it, fans students. There's a lot at stake here. So it takes a lot to get to a point for the Big Ten to say, hey, you have to be suspended. And the problem is the Big Ten has trouble with Jim Harbaugh for a long time. For you Michigan fans that are probably, you know, pumping out your chest because Michigan's undefeated. You know, good and well, two, two, three years ago, You didn't like Jim Harbaugh. You want him out of here because he couldn't beat Ohio State, right? Couldn't get to that national championship. Now that they're undefeated, okay, yeah, oh, whatever. No, whatever he did, it's wrong. He didn't cheat. And I know it's not all the fans out there, but there are a number of them that I'm sure now you're okay, that Michigan's winning. You're not thinking about when you were saying it's time to get rid of him. He can't win here. Bottom line is that there's a lot at stake, a lot of money at stake with college football. And so for the Big Ten to get to this point, to me says that, okay, there is enough evidence for this. There's too much at stake for them to do this. And remember, he was suspended for three games at the beginning of the season for recruiting violations. I mean, come on. When you're the head coach, you're responsible for everything, and I get that. He should get that. We all should get that. And so when heads roll, the head that needs to roll is the head coach. And even if it only rolls for a little bit, he could put it back on. Because I do find it interesting that they only suspended him for the regular season and not the playoffs. Although technically, who knows? They could have had scouts at Georgia, Florida State, Washington, Oregon. I mean, all of these teams, Alabama. Who knows how far out this will um, will go? Who knows how far out this will go? And I think for Michigan, um, it's it's going to be interesting in the next few weeks, right? They got Ohio State to end the season. It's a big game. It's a big game. And don't say, oh, they did this for Ohio State. No, because this affects the national championship implications even a little bit more to me than just the Big Ten championship. We shall see. On to the NFL. I'm excited for Chase Young. He's going to be making his debut for the 49ers. I wish it had worked out with the Washington Commanders. I think injuries played his time there. Um, and to have a second shot with the 49ers, that'll be interesting to see... How he turns it around, especially because San Francisco, I feel like Brock Purdy's come back down to earth. They have dealt with some injuries. Maybe this is just, you know, a lull. And then they'll turn it back around towards the end of the season and work their way into a Super Bowl. That's very possible for the San Francisco 49ers. And Chase Young can help with that. That makes their defense even more formidable. It really does. But before I get to my picks, the one thing I wanted to talk about that I have enjoyed with these, uh, the games being played in Europe. Is as I was sitting here recording this, I'm watching the NFL, a live football game in Frankfurt, Germany. Colts, New England. I had the Colts winning this one. But the interesting thing for me is... To be on the East Coast and have a 9 a.m. game is like what people on the West Coast have been experiencing for years. Decades. You get those 1 o'clock games and they're on at 10 a.m. on the West Coast. And you basically get football all day. Now, the good thing is that 8 o'clock game is 5 o'clock L.A. time. So you still get your Sunday evening when the football game is over. And I do kind of wish we had that on the East Coast. Especially if you're a parent like me and you got to help get the kids to bed and all of that stuff. But there's something about getting being able to get up in the morning and you got football on. And it's basically on all day. 12 hours of football. Actually, more than 12 hours. Like 16 hours of football. This game started at 9. And the Sunday night game won't be over until about midnight. That's exciting. Just a lot of football. And if you're really into the NFL, which some people may not be, you may only watch your team. So some people aren't going to watch Indianapolis at New England. But if you are into it, it's fun. If, you're, if you actually are a Colts or a Patriots fan, I feel like that could also be a cool family vacation. Oh, let's go watch them play in Germany. Or when they played in London, you could watch them there. Or even Paris. Wherever else they may end up playing. I know they did the Mexico City game too. And really in the NBA, um, they do that in the preseason. I've had the experience of going to multiple countries with the team. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a lot of fun. But it's also weird because I guess this roof of this stadium... It's somewhat cloth-like. I actually meant to look it up before I was recording. But somehow the roof collapses into the scoreboard. I found that to be really interesting. They showed a time lapse before the game. That was really cool. um, Just to see it. But let me get to my scores. I've rambled on enough. Thank you for listening up to this point. Um, here are my picks for week 10 in the NFL. I have the Colts winning, but they're playing right now. I'm taking the Bengals at home. I'm taking the Vikings at home. What a turnaround for the Vikings after that rough start. I'm taking the Steelers at home. I'm taking the Titans on the road over the Buccaneers. I'm taking the... Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going to take the 49ers at the Jaguars. I'll take the Ravens to beat the Browns at home. Cardinals, Kyler Murray's coming back, playing the Falcons. I'm going to take the Cardinals, which I know, right? That's like, that's a gamble. Cardinals at home, 1-8, 1-3 at home. But the Falcons are 1-3 away. I think the Cardinals get the win. Lions at the Chargers. I'm going to take the Lions to win that game on the West Coast. Giants at the Cowboys. I'll take the Cowboys at home. They're undefeated at home, and I think they will stay that way. Commanders at the Seahawks. Uh, I'm not going to take two teams going out West to play. I'm going with the Seahawks. They're 3-1 and one at home. And then we have the night game. Raiders at Jets. I'm sorry, Jets at Raiders. Not a really... Exciting game for Monday night. I don't understand why they couldn't find a way to flex this for Lions. Ly- I don't want to say not for Lions Chargers. Maybe Browns Ravens. I don't know. Bottom line, they didn't. I'm taking the Raiders at home. They're 3-1 and at home. Have a new head coach. They're turning it around. Zach Wilson is not the answer. The Jets are not very good. Even though they are two and away at home and four and four in the season, I'm taking the Raiders at home. So I've got the Raiders, Seahawks, Cowboys, Lions, Cardinals, Ravens, Niners, Bucks, Steelers, Vikings, Bengals, and Colts. It's a lot of home teams. A lot of podcasts. That'll do it for just for sport. I'm Jamal K. Davis. Ciao for now.